Christian Questions. Winston Churchill once said, Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many by so few, to so few. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Kathy, the best part is this. We talk and you listen and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Kathy, sitting in for Jonathan. And we're glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us this morning, folks. And Kathy, you're here. Where's Jonathan? Jonathan is with his beautiful wife, Jewel, in Florida. They're taking a vacation. Yes, they are. A much-deserved vacation, so we're glad that they're able to be away. And, Kathy, we're glad that you're able to sit in for Jonathan here uh, this morning. What's the subject? Who was that hero in the multicolored coat? Part 2. And our theme scripture? is from Genesis, chapter 45, verse 5. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Okay, several weeks ago, we began to tell the story of a hero. Not the kind of hero that rises up in courage to do a deed that changes the outcome of an event. Rather, the kind of hero who lives his vision for a lifetime and changes the world as a result of his lifetime dedication. This hero is the Joseph of the Old Testament, dreamer, interpreter of dreams, man of wisdom, faith, integrity, and mercy. Joseph was a true hero, the kind that appears only once in many generations. So the question this morning is, folks, what can we learn from Joseph? And Kathy, you were not the co-host for the first program on Joseph. No, I was not. But you did listen to it. I loved it. All right. And, you know, Kathy gets to sit in for Jonathan periodically, and, and, and I don't necessarily plan what topics are coming <laughs> Kathy's way. She all, Most of the time, she gets really tough, difficult, sometimes dark subjects. <laughs> you have no idea how excited Jonathan was when he told me what the topic would be for this week that I would get to fill in for him for. So this is a this folks this morning is pure inspiration. This morning is we're, we're we're looking at the story of a man whose life any way you look at it, whatever angle you choose to look at it, you're going to see something wonderful and something great for a, a lifetime of experience and that's the story of Joseph. So Kathy, let's do this. Let's do a little bit of a recap of the story from the last program which was several weeks ago. There were actually what? 1 2 3 4 basic points that we touched on. First was the beginning. And that was a hero's lesson in motivation. And what was the hero's choice in the, in that portion there? The motivation of hatred or the motivation of integrity. And that first lesson in living heroically was the contrast between between a raging one-sided rivalry consisting of ten brothers versus the younger integrity-filled teenager. Now, let me repeat that phrase. (laughs) Integrity-filled teenager who lived his loyalty and showed a fearlessness when speaking truth, even if it could prove to be uh, to his detriment. And, of course, that's the story when Joseph was only 17. 
Yes. And he had had some dreams, remember, that yes. that uh, his, his brothers and family were bowing down to him and all of that. Mm-hmm. And they had great resentment toward him. And they had this rivalry against him. Well, you know, I think Joseph also had something that the brothers didn't have. He was the one at this time who was, he knew he was conceived in love. His father worked so hard for his mother Rachel, right, and the other brothers were either the offspring of Leah, the mm-hmm. other wife, or um, two concubines, the handmaidens. And but Joseph knew that he was conceived in love, and his father loved him. He did, he did, and that's where this coat of many colors came from, and that was a symbol, essentially, in those times of royalty. And mm. so here you have this, and, 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 and that seemed to be a very backward situation because you would always, the oldest son in those days was always the most honored, but not in this case. No. So, no. so you're right. You, you, have, you have Joseph seeing things differently, coming from a different background and perspective, and, uh, but he had a choice. He could have fallen into the category of this, this raging rivalry that his brothers had toward him, but he chose to rise above it and live differently. So that was the first, the first hero's choice. The, the second portion, being sold by his brothers. Now, and when you think about that, that that's stooping pretty, pretty low. <laughs> being sold by his brothers. This is a hero's lesson of choices, determination, and consequence. So the, the second hero's choice is what? He could act out of the emotional instability of the moment or follow the vision. So... That's what happened is Joseph, if you remember the story, Joseph was was going along because the brothers weren't where they were supposed to be. Right. And so he was going to find them. Mm-hmm. And they see him coming from a distance and their 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 knee jerk reaction, their gut is, oh, look, here's Joseph. There's nobody around. Hey, let's get rid of him. Right. And so they start this plot, a, a spur of the moment thing. On feelings. Right, right. Based on we don't like him, just to get rid of him. This is opportunity knocking right before us because, hey, we don't have to worry about this guy and anybody seeing what's going to happen. And so the second lesson in living heroically is courage that is founded in reason and obedience. That's Joseph. To the vision is destined for mockery and threats, and yet it perseveres. And that was the initial test. Joseph was going to, they originally were going to kill him. But then one of the brothers, I think it was Reuben, spoke up and said, no, 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 we really shouldn't kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets thrown in a pit, and then some, some traders come by, and they decide, okay, you know what, let's not leave him in a pit. Let's sell him off. And so you have the emotion versus the integrity at war in this second piece here. So now the story continues. Joseph ends up in Potiphar's house, and this is the third, uh, the third hero's choice. Now, this is a hero's lesson in living with sacred honor. Now, remember, Joseph is just a kid, essentially, at this point. He's still 17, maybe, you know, not even 18 years old. Right. So, so what's the hero's choice here, point number three? Live in obedience to your circumstances. Or live in sacred honor to the vision. So you can obey the circumstances and become the rebel because you're a slave and you be you're you you're you're in a situation that is not good. So you can just fall into the circumstance. So you're or, reacting to a circumstance. Right, right, right. So you can live reactively mm-hmm. or live again. I keep using the word. I don't want to overuse it, but or you can live with integrity. 
because there's something bigger about your life, and that's the thing you're going to focus on. And again, this is a kid. He is now a servant in the house of Potiphar. And it's this third lesson in living heroically is all choices yield consequences, both intended and unintended. Living with sacred honor means accepting all consequences with grace and humility, even at the expense of reputation and future. So Joseph had choices here, and the choice was to live above, even though he was reduced to something very, very, very menial. And the tests that came about in Potiphar's house were dramatic tests of, of his integrity, uh, of his reputation, and yet he still didn't budge. So, folks, we're looking at this story. We're going to continue the story in the, in the second segment once we, we, we continue, uh, finish laying out what happened in, you know, in, in our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Joseph and who he was and how he acted and, and what it can mean to us. You can give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. All right, let's go on to... Now, the, the details of the experience in Potiphar's house. Remember, he ends up going to prison. Why does he go to prison? He's falsely accused and by... That, Potiphar's wife. Right. He's falsely accused by the boss's wife of, of trying to seduce her. Right. Now, it was the exact opposite of what happened. But Joseph, the interesting thing is he goes to prison, but he doesn't speak evilly of Potiphar's wife to Potiphar. He allows that to happen, and he allows himself to go to prison because he's trying to, to just live above the fray, so to speak. And again, this is a kid. That's amazing to me. <laughs> it is. Well... I mean, it, how old is he here? I'm, I'm thinking it's got to be maybe 10 years after he was thrown in the pit, about 27. Well, he's probably, yeah, he's probably in his 20s. You know, so he's somewhere in the midst of, his, of the prime of his life, uh, being a servant. Now, he's worked his way up to the very highest servant in Potiphar's house because he is so unbelievably trustworthy. Well, you know, it's, it's amazing to me because I sometimes look at the story of Joseph and think, wow, how did he do that? Good decision after good decision right, after right. good decision. And, you know, that example, it, it can be a little bit like, how could I ever live up to that? And yet, if he represents Jesus, which I know you brought out a lot in the first program, right. then, you know, Jesus lived three and a half years being tested and tried. But it looks like Joseph had a much longer period to learn the lessons. So it gives me comfort to think that God worked with him over a much longer period of time to get him to where he needed to be. Right. He, it, it was. It was a preparation. See, Joseph was being prepared, you're right, for a great work that he was going to have to do a little bit later on in life. And to be able to do that great work, he had to have great preparation. And that's what makes a lifetime hero, is going through that great preparation process with the, the uh, ability to continue to learn from the experience and continue to rise above with the experience so that when the big test, and these, you know, these, are, these are pretty big tests. Very big tests. But they're not the big, big test yet. And, and when the big test comes of, of having literally the weight of the world on your shoulders, then you're ready. And that is part of what, it's a great lesson for us in, in our Christian experience to 
go through each day and each experience as a building block so that, by God's grace, if we are faithful to that calling, he can put great responsibility upon our shoulders. But it's only after all of that time. So it, this is a, a tremendously inspirational story. The last point on this, Kathy, the last of the four points, is remember he's sent to prison, and this is a hero's lesson in single-minded focus. The hero's choice is what? Be swallowed in despair by misfortune, or never flinch from a single-minded focus. You get thrown in prison, and if you remember, when he was thrown in prison, um, he was, uh, had the opportunity after a, a period of time to um, interpret dreams in the prison. Yes. And there was a way out, because now he interprets dreams for the cupbearer and for the, the baker of the, the pharaoh. One of them ends up getting his head chopped off. The other one goes, <laughs> gets back into favor, but that's irrelevant. But the point is, when the cupbearer goes back to the king, Joseph says, remember me. Now the cupbearer is being released, and you'd think that he'd remember him, but the scripture says very clearly that he just forgot about him. And yet, you never hear Joseph, you know, going, nobody ever says thank you. Nobody <laughs> right, appreciates right, right. me. I try so hard. And yet, here I sit in prison. Oh, woe is me. <laughs> See, the lifetime hero is bigger than all of that. And that's why this story is such a great story. And that's why we want to make sure that as we continue the story in our next segment coming right up here, that we're focusing on the most important things in the life of Joseph. So, folks, we are just getting started here, giving you a little bit of a recap. There's so much more to come. This is Christian Questions. I'm Kathy, sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Today we're discussing who was that hero in the multicolored coat, part two. Coming up, how did seven ugly cows help promote Joseph? Find out next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Kathy, sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject today is Who Was That Hero in the Multicolored Coat? Part 2. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. All right. And folks, we're getting into part two of the story right now. We did a little bit of a recap of some of the things that happened in our program several weeks ago on Joseph. You can certainly go to ChristianQuestions.com and go to the archives and listen to that. I actually would, I would advise you do that because that's a great introduction for this uh, today's story. But let's get started. We, we, we've labeled Joseph for these two programs, Kathy, as a hero. Yes. We've absolutely positively said this man is a hero, and he is for many, many, many reasons. Let's go to a quick soundbite from Jim Combs uh, giving us his definition of what a hero is. This is Jim Combs. We need more heroes today. We need them more now than ever before. A hero is someone who rises above their circumstances and leaves things better than they found them. Someone who is ordinary, who does the extraordinary when there's a need. Simple. It is. It, you know, it reminds me of that old saying, the difference between success and failure is focus. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's someone who's ordinary 
who does extraordinary things when there's a need, who rises up, and in this case, it was someone who did extraordinary things throughout his life, which I guess makes him not ordinary, <laughs> because, right. because he continued to make the choices to live differently than everybody around him. And, you know, it's the need arises, I think, every day, every moment. You know, if somebody is unkind to you, and you rise above that and don't get caught up and just bless them instead, mm-hmm. then that's, that's heroic yeah, because absolutely. it's hard to do. It is. And, it, and, and that's one of the things that makes a hero is doing things that are hard to do that the average individual in that circumstance is going to sort of blow by and say, oh, too much work, too much effort, or nah, not right now, or I don't feel like it. Or I'm not going to let them get away with treating me that way. That's right. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that is why the story of Joseph is so incredibly magnificent. So let's get started with the next part of the story. And folks, again, we'd love to hear your stories of of what you think it means to be a hero, maybe experiences, maybe observations on people who have acted heroically in your life. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues next hour online and all through the week. Christian Questions is live Sunday mornings and on demand with tons of topics to talk about featured in our audio archive, CQ Rewind, Facebook, and our blog. And by the way, before we get into the story, you know, I do have to to announce Kathy. uh, You play a very special role in the Christian Questions family here. Kathy is (laughs) the tweet master. So, if you're on Twitter and you follow Christian Questions, it's Kathy who is our tweet master. You have to join Twitter. (laughs) Please follow us. (laughs) All right, let's get started here. Joseph, point number five here. Joseph in prison, From it goes from forgotten to formidable. A hero's lesson in patient preparation. And we begin looking into Pharaoh's dream in Genesis chapter 41. Verse 1. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. Okay, let's stop right there. We didn't get very far, but there's an important point. Joseph uh, interprets the cupbearer's dream, and then it's two whole years later when Pharaoh has his dream. So Joseph, thinking he has a, a way out of prison, is still stuck there for the next two years. Wow. So, yeah, that is. That's a wow. And, and the question is, are we willing to wait in such unenviable circumstances? What would we do while we wait? We know what Joseph did. He served. He did everything right. He, he, he lived a life of great integrity. Scripture that reminds me of us having to wait is Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And so what that's speaking of is, is the vision. The vision of God's plans, God's plan and its completion seems to tarry. It seems to take too long. But the the encouragement is, wait for it. It surely will come. It's not delaying. It seems in your mind to take too long, but the assurance is it's not delaying. So the question is, what do I do while I'm doing all of this waiting? It kind of reminds me of, you know, watching, being part of a football team, and you're a bench warmer. So while you're watching all your teammates fight and play, 
and you're thinking, will the coach ever put me in? What are you doing? Are you sitting there thinking, well, I'm better than them. Why don't I get to play? Or are you thinking, let me cheer them on. When they come off the field, let me have a kind word for them and let me support them. And, and if we lose, let me, you know, continue to build them up. And if we win, let me rejoice with them. So be part of it and don't sit on the end of the bench eating donuts. <laughs> All right, let's get back to dreams. Let's get back to the dream that Pharaoh dreams in Genesis 41. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. There's the ugly cows. (laughs) And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time, and behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning his spirit was troubled, so he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. So you have a very important set of events here happening in the dreams of Pharaoh. And, and, you know, this, this is hard for us to fathom because God did work through people's dreams at that time. He really, really did. This was not a, a, a single circumstance. There were many circumstances over many years where many individuals had dreams, and it was God communicating something. And they needed interpretation. And so he, Pharaoh goes to all of his wisest men and, and people of the land, but no, everybody's dumbfounded and they're looking at him saying, I don't know, you know what it means? I don't know what it means. You know, I, just, I have no idea. What are we going to tell? I don't know what we're going to tell. But, you know. The idea is he's stuck and he knows it's something important. And so now what happens? What are you going to do? Uh, and Joseph, in the meantime, is in prison. Comple- Still. Right. Completely unnoticed completely without any recognition for anything that he has ever done because he's sitting in prison. And anything he has ever done has only been good. And yet, he's sitting in prison because he was accused of a crime that he did not commit. So there he is, sitting, waiting. And and, and the question is, what is Joseph doing while he's waiting? And the answer is, he's being prepared. He's living a life of great integrity, of honor, of respect, and of service. That's what he's doing while he's in prison, because he ends up being uh, the the servant of the prison guard. So so you know, he's not he's not on the bottom of the of the food chain in terms of the prison of the people there. And he's probably in his own mind cultivating, you know, the things like in Philippians 4, 8, where it tells you what to think about. Think right. about things that are true, honest, pure, good, good. lovely. And, and he remembers the Abrahamic promise given to his father, and I'm sure taught to him. And that's a promise for the future. And he, know, he was given dreams, so he right. knows he has a big role to play. So instead of thinking about the woe is me, he's probably focused on the... You know, when, when, when do I start? When do I start? I'm ready. You know, keep, get me ready. And that's the interesting, an interesting point because in Joseph's own dreams when he was young, it was about him being in a position of great honor in respect to his brothers. And I'm sure he's not thinking, oh, here I am in Egypt. Maybe I'll just take over the nation of Egypt here and then that's how I... He doesn't think that. No. Because his dream was in relation to his, his family. It didn't go beyond that. But it gave him a hint that, that there was unfinished work. 
Jesus waited until he came of age to begin his work. To wait is not to be idle. It is to prepare. And to me, that's one of the key points in the story of Joseph. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 49 to 52, a view into the early life of Jesus. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them, and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and favor with God and man. And I think this was when he's 12 years old, and he gets left behind, and he's in the temple just discussing the law with the, the, the priesthood there. And his parents find him, and they're all upset. And he's saying, look, you, where else would I be? He's 12 years old. And I picture him taking every taking advantage of every opportunity given him to learn. And, and that's a scriptural concept because verse 52 says it. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So he was working at preparing for his 30th birthday. So long before Jesus was 30, he knew what he was supposed to be doing and he worked toward it. Joseph is a picture of Jesus in so many ways. And long before he was put in the limelight, he did exactly the same thing. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about heroic activity. Give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. Don't forget to go to the website ChristianQuestions.com and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. It's a cool thing, isn't it, Kathy? It really is, and it has so many pictures, and it's just easy to follow, and especially this week, there's going to be really neat bonus material. One of the phrases that is going to be explained in there, and I love this, guilt is always the ready parent of fear. That's a cool phrase, and it's going to be explained in the bonus material, so you've got to check it out. The only way to get to it is to go to ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. It's a free service. There is no obligation. We've got a great team of people that works on this every single week, and they want you to have it as a tool in your own uh, desire to understand the Word of God a little bit better. So. Only available at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Kathy, we're talking about waiting. We're talking about being in position so that when the opportunity comes, you are absolutely ready. ready. The value of integrity uh, when nobody is looking. Genesis 41, verses 9 through 16. Let's just read verse 9 here for a moment here. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my faults today. So we're back to Pharaoh, and he's got a problem, and he's got a dilemma, and nobody can help him, and nobody understands it, and nobody knows the answer. And now the chief cupbearer says, oh, um, hey, Pharaoh, <laughs> I know it's been a couple years, but, you know, there's something that happened to me. Uh, and just read verse 12. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant. Of the captain of the guard. So he's describing Joseph as a servant of the captain of the guard. He says he's a Hebrew, but he's saying he's in a high position in prison. Now continue. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each according to his dream. As he interpreted to us, so it turned out. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon. When he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said that 
When you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Joseph doesn't know the dream. He doesn't know anything. All he knows is he has the ability and the gift from God to interpret dreams. So he takes that ability and his gift and he says, God will give you a favorable answer. Talk about faith. You know, and, and he, he did it before with the cupbearer and the baker in Genesis 40 verse 8. It says interpretations belong to God. So this is a theme that he's always giving credit to God and not taking it upon himself. And that's why he's the one chosen to do this. Because he has that level of humility to say, I know this is not from me. This is from God. This is through me from God. That's the point. That's how Joseph lived. He lived God's will through him. Not because of him, it was through him. And, and that brings us to, the, uh, to, to our hero's choice here at the, at the end of this particular segment. The hero's choice is what? Sulk in the state of being forgotten or sharpen your skills in the non-public time granted. And there's so many opportunities that, that, or so many examples we can look at of that. The Apostle Paul is a great example. Here, remember when the Apostle Paul was converted to Christianity? Yes. It was dramatic. Yes. And he was told he was going to bring the gospel before kings. And he didn't go out and preach for six or seven years. Right. He had to be prepared. But mm-hmm. he used the time, uh, the quiet time to prepare. That's the point here. That's the point of Joseph's life. The fifth lesson of living heroically is when opportunity seems to present itself and then fade because Joseph interpreted dreams and then the opportunity faded. The true lifetime hero does not see the loss. Rather, he sees the gold in pursuing continued discipline and preparation. Joseph did not change the way he lived his life because it was going badly. He lived to the same standard and the same level of dedication. That is what Joseph was all about. This is Christian Questions. I'm Kathy sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Today we're discussing who was that hero in the multicolored coat, part two. Coming up, does Joseph finally get his multicolored coat back or could there be something better? What could be better? Stay with us. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Kathy, sitting in for Jonathan, here with Rick. Our subject today is, Who Was That Hero in the Multicolored Coat? Part 2. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. And uh, we are going through the story of Joseph. And folks, it is a thoroughly inspirational story when you realize the integrity of this guy's life from very young age uh, to 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 periods of life where there was incredible pressure on him and then we're getting into the pressure time now as he is now standing before pharaoh and pharaoh is going to tell him his dream and he's going to be interpreting the dream and it, this brings us to point number six in the life of joseph uh joseph uh elevated to the right hand of pharaoh and what is this a hero's lesson in rising to the occasion so with that in mind let's go to the phones and i think we might have a hero on the line actually <laughs> I think we have a guy named Jonathan on the line. Good morning, Jonathan. Welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Hey. Hi, Jonathan. It's great to hear you guys in the program. Kathy, you're doing a great job. By God's grace. 
Hey, I was thinking about Joseph's grandfather, Abraham, um, great-grandfather, Joseph's grandfather, Isaac, and then his dad, Jacob. There was a pro- that promise that was passed on all, the, all those generations, and Joseph, out of all of his brothers, was the only one that took that promise seriously. And he was hoping that maybe God would truly have him be a blesser seed of Abraham to be used by God. And because of that, he took to heart uh, every experience he had and all the dreams that he had. He realized maybe the Lord is going to use me. That there, you know, he's he's showing me that I could be used of him. But uh, anyway, we as a Christian, the point you brought out, Rick, was that here we have the opportunity to live our lives in sacrifice and following in the footsteps of Jesus in our lifetime as that experience to prove ourselves worthy to be used of God, to attach to that promise to bless all the families of the earth. So what a privilege that is. So those are points that I really appreciated. But you got to check out Seek Your Rewind, because <laughs> on the first part of this program, the parallel between Joseph and Jesus, they did a great job of putting those points right next to each other. Right. So you can really see how Joseph was a picture of Jesus. And so uh, check out Seek Your Rewind for the second uh, part of the program, to see what they're going to do later on to show us more parallels with Jesus. Jonathan, thanks so much. It's uh, great to hear from you on your vacation there. Well, good to hear you guys. You have a great one. <laughs> All right, you, you too. too. Thanks, thanks a lot. Bye. There it is. My co-host, Jonathan, he just oh. got to keep his fingers in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is, Christian Questions is addictive, but it's a good addiction. <laughs> it is. And I appreciate him, him mentioning CQ Rewind because I know for a fact this week there's some really cool things in there. You're going to mention the um, YouTube video? Yeah, I'm just going to mention it now. We'll go into it a little bit more on the second part. But just let me say this, folks. We have reference to some YouTube videos that will knock your socks off. And even if you're not wearing socks, it's going to do something to your feet. I don't know what. <laughs> All I can tell you is it's only available at ChristianQuestions.com. Uh, sign up for Secret Rewind, the full edition in the bonus material. Just some amazing things about Joseph. Okay, Kathy, we gotta get, we got to make hay here while the sun shines. Joseph <laughs> interprets Pharaoh's dream. Let's get down to this. Genesis uh, chapter 41, verses 25 to 40. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh... What he is about to do. Who revealed? God. Okay. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, as are the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. So, Joseph simply says, God is revealing this to you. I'm just the one speaking it. But he, you've got seven uh, good years and seven bad years. You've, this is what the dream is about. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Who showed him? God showed all right, him. just checking. <laughs> there will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. After them, there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. The plenty will no longer be known in the land because of the famine that will follow, for it will be very grievous. So, Joseph is giving graphic illustration of what's going to happen. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. So, the fact that it was said to Pharaoh two different times... Joseph is saying, God is telling you, again, God is telling you 
this is what's going to happen, and it's not going to be pretty. I mean, Joseph knows what God has revealed, and he has no fear in speaking it with credit to God Almighty, even though Pharaoh is heralded as who? God on earth. So here he's saying, he has the, 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 the strength and the courage to say, the God of heaven is telling you these things are going to happen. And, I'm, and he just lays it out. Now, he's a Hebrew. He's not even one of them, but he does not fall back. He doesn't shrink from the responsibility. And he tells Pharaoh exactly what's going to happen. He is very clear. And then he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, okay, I've interpreted the dream. I did what you asked me to do. He now gives Pharaoh advice. Talk about courage. That's uh, unbelievable. You know, it, it brought to mind, I was like, well, what can I imagine that I could even relate to this? And thinking about um, if you're in a public setting and somebody has a heart attack and all of a sudden a doctor rushes forward. Now, here's a person lying on the ground. They could die. And yet somebody rushes forward to help. What is that courage based on? His training. He's gone to years and years of school and medical school and experience because he's trained. And so we know that God was with um, Joseph and he trained him for this moment. And so the moment comes, he interprets the dream, and now let's continue reading in the verse because now Joseph is going to advise Pharaoh as to how to handle the dilemma. Genesis 41, 33 to 36. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let him gather all the food of these good years that are coming And store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority, and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the famine. So Joseph not only gives interpretation from God, he also gives sound and clear advice from God as to how to make sure to use the window of opportunity the seven years coming to prepare for the famine. This serves as an additional verification of the genuineness of the interpretation. He is so confident in the interpretation, he's giving the solution along with the interpretation. And that is a, a sure sign of someone who is incredibly godly in every, in every aspect of his life, as shown as by his life as a slave, by his life in prison. He has always risen to the top. And it's just an amazing, it, it gives, me, gives me goosebumps when I, when, I, when I think about how he just stepped right into a very difficult situation and as a young man just nailed it down and said, look, this is the situation, this is what you're facing. So let's go to a, a quick soundbite from the movie Joseph. I think it was 1995 the movie came out. Uh, and this is the decision uh, for that Pharaoh makes to elevate Joseph as a, as a result of what he said and what he did. It would call for a man of exceptional talent. Potiphar, perhaps. The answer is obvious. There could be no better man for this job than this man himself. Can we find anyone endowed with the Spirit of God as he is? That's just an awesome thing, because here you have Pharaoh who does not believe in God. 
and yet he's saying there is no other choice for this person who needs to, to walk us through this period of time than the man who interpreted the dream. Because he not only interpreted the dream, he gave us the advice, and he's obviously a man of God. So what, why would we choose someone else? Why would we choose one of our own people? Let's choose this Hebrew who we don't like and put him, and let's elevate him to a position of great responsibility. Joseph is ready. See, Joseph is ready because Joseph did the work in the quiet times of being in prison, in the quiet times of being persecuted, in the quiet times of being left for, for dead even. He, he has become ready because he's lived that heroic life during all of those times. Kath, our time is starting to fleet by here. Uh, Genesis 41, 37 to 40. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. That is just an, a, an incredible elevation of Joseph. Let's go back to the movie, Joseph, again, the 1995 movie, um, and just hear how Pharaoh proclaims the power that is given into the hands of Joseph. Now, here's the word of Pharaoh. Ra on earth, God as man. You shall be my chancellor. And all my people shall respect your orders. Only this throne shall set me above you. I make you the governor of all of Egypt. I set you over my house, my people, my entire kingdom. Without your consent, no man shall lift up hand or foot in all of Egypt. Uh, again, that's, that's chilling almost when you hear the, the, uh, the, the proclamation of Pharaoh. And let's, let's read through some of that as we wrap up this, uh, this hour. And folks, if, you're not, if we're not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, and stay with us. The story only gets better. Genesis 41, let's continue. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. Better than the coat of many colors. Yes, indeed. He had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. So Joseph is just in a moment elevated to second in command in all of Egypt. Let's continue. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. Isn't that interesting? Who else was 30 years old when he started on his great mission? Hmm. Jesus himself. Let's continue. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought, brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus, Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea, 
until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. And that gives you a sense of the, the greatness of the work. Joseph was obviously very, a very meticulous individual, and he kept records of everything. He put everything in order. He kept everything in great records. But there was so much that they were storing, he couldn't even keep track of it anymore. So he said, okay, heck with it. It's just, there's a lot of food. How much do you have? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if he had been anyone else, this could have gone awry very, very easily. Absolutely. If selfishness pride, yep. any of those things entered his heart. And you have to stay focused because those seven years of plenty were so plenteous that the, 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 the temptation would be, it, it can't possibly turn that bad. And, you know, it's, I think it's great because his focus wasn't, it wasn't about him. It was always about God. Anything that seemed bad that happened to him or anything that seemed good, it was all because of and through right. and by God. Exactly. So the hero's choice is what in this? Kowtow to the powers that be or proclaim the reality that needs facing with force. And that's exactly what Joseph did. The sixth lesson in living heroically is the hero's full confidence in his mission can bring full cooperation of all. It's only because Joseph had such complete confidence in God and what was to be done that he was able to get everybody on board. And because he got Pharaoh on board with that confidence in God in that proclamation that it was from God, that Pharaoh came along and Joseph ended up taking the very, very important and difficult experiences and turning them into something great. In the next hour, we're going to continue with the story and we're going to look at Joseph's family and the role that they will play in this story. And it's magnificent. So folks, stay with us. For Kathy and Rick, it's Christian Questions. Today's subject is, who was that hero in the multicolored coat? We're talking about Joseph. What a story. Don't forget to stay with us until, uh, after, until after the news and all of that. <laughs> Kathy and Rick and Christian Questions. We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Mike Alsford once said, To be heroic does not have to mean possessing the ability to stand against the evils of the world, either well or successfully, but just that one is willing to stand. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Kathy and Rick. Kathy sitting in for Jonathan today. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Kathy, uh, Jonathan is away this week. Jonathan is away in Florida with his wife, Jewel. So, Kathy, our tweet master, <laughs> is sitting in the studio with me uh, this morning to continue this uh, great, uh, just this inspiring conversation. What's our topic? Who was that hero in the multicolored coat, part two? And our theme text is taken from Genesis 45, verse 5. Now, do not be grieved or angry with y yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And that theme text really does sum up the, 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 the conclusion of the story of Joseph, which we're going to get to uh, in, in this hour. And so, folks, we've been talking about a hero. We've been talking about living heroically, going through several lessons of living heroically, and seeing how these lessons are shown to us through the life of Joseph. They started when he was a young man, a teenager. 
uh, sold into slavery. Uh, he goes through all kinds of experiences, ends up in prison for something he didn't do. And then suddenly one day he ends up before Pharaoh's court in front of Pharaoh, telling Pharaoh what's going to happen over the next 14 years. And then he tells Pharaoh, and by the way, here's what you should do about it. And when he told Pharaoh all those things, who gets the credit for everything that Joseph said? God. And that's what made Joseph so heroic. He had this ability that he knew was given to him so it could pass through him from God. That was what made Joseph so effective. And Pharaoh makes him the second in command in all of Egypt. And that had never happened in the history of Egypt before that. Amazing. It is. And, and folks, you got to go to Seeker Rewind, the full edition. You want to sign up for it. The bonus material has reference to a couple of YouTube videos. And Kathy, you saw one of them this morning. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. It shows you what it must have been like. And it shows you archaeological evidence of Joseph, the work that he did, and how he did it. How do you get there? Seek your Rewind, the full edition. Sign up now. It's a free service. There is no obligation in the bonus material. You see the references. It'll, it's going to blow you away. Pretty amazing stuff. So, so Kathy, let's get back to our, our, our focus on the story of Joseph and his experiences. And, folks, we'd love to hear from you on, on, on your observations of heroism or perhaps experiences that help you to understand and appreciate what a true hero is, 866 866- 985-4255 is our number, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website at christianquestions.com and become a Twitter follower. That's right. The Tweet Master wants you to become a Twitter <laughs> follower. All right. Let's, point number seven, Joseph prepares to save the world and his family. This is a hero's lesson in using power with integrity. So let's get started. Let's go back to uh, this is a, a YouTube video that we we uh, we picked up on, just talking about what makes a hero, and just some people talking about heroes, and we just thought it was appropriate. A hero to me is someone who's always there for you, and someone you can really trust. I believe that heroes are the people that do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, regardless of the consequence. A hero to me is a selfless person that puts their life on the line for people that they love or someone that they don't even know. I like to think of a hero as someone you can look up to, who sets a good example for those around you. Joseph is all of those. He really is. And, and through, throughout the whole thing, he keeps in mind, it's not about me. Right. And, and that's the, the greatest part of his heroism is that it wasn't about him. He knew it and he lived that fact. And yet he also knew he had a job to do. Right. And now he is elevated to the highest position in all of Egypt except for the Pharaoh himself. And, we, you know, with great power comes great ego usually. It does, yes. And let's see how what happens with, with Joseph here. Uh, Genesis forty one fifty to fifty seven. Now, before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, "God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household." He named his second son Ephraim, for he said. 
God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So this is interesting that this is, is put in there, this little historical blip, if you will, about the life of Joseph. Such a lesson uh, for us to patiently wait for the blessings of God while standing for the truth of God. Because that's what Joseph did. He stood for the truth of God through all of the difficult times. And now he's in a position of in enormous responsibility. But with that enormous responsibility comes some, some wonderful, wonderful experience of blessing. And he, good. I was just going to say that, you know, right before this in Genesis um, 41, 45, he, w- he was recognized because when he, he was made second in command, they changed his name and gave him an Egyptian name. Yes. Which was, I'm going to try it here, Zaphon, Zaphnathpania. <laughs> and one of the definitions I found is one who delivers from death by providing the bread of life. And we're not using that name. We're using Joseph. It's so much easier. Thank you. <laughs> but again, this is now, Joseph is between 31 and 37 years old when, when, when he has these two sons. He's, he's, uh, he's able to be married. It's 14 to 20 years after being sold as a slave. So it gives you a perspective of 14 to 20 years of essentially waiting in very difficult circumstances. Preparing. And that's the point. It wasn't just waiting and twiddling your thumbs and, and being angry and complaining. It was waiting and preparing because it was that godly focus that drew him through those 14 to 20 years. So now he could handle this great and deep responsibility. So let, let's continue with the scriptures uh, in Genesis 41. Let's pick up with verse 53. When the seven years of plenty, which had been in the land of Egypt, came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, Then there was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. So you have these seven years of plenty. And one of the the challenges for that, Kathy, would have been that during those seven years of plenty, you could easily get complacent. Because the plenty was enormously plenteous. There was just so much in terms of, of the, the, the fruit of the ground. But Joseph stayed on target. And when the seven years of famine comes and the people start to complain, what does Pharaoh say? Go to Joseph and listen to him. He'll tell you what to do. So the Pharaoh doesn't even give indication that, well, I'm going to have a conversation with Joseph. and We're going to work this out. <laughs> he says, just listen to Joseph. He'll take care of you. I mean, that is, that's the amazing responsibility that he took upon his shoulders and, and, and the amazing way that he carried it through. Let's finish this scripture and then we'll go to the phones. When the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. So there you have integrity shining through. It's not enough to hear of the plan. One must speak it boldly and act on it with such a zeal, with such a strength, with such a focus that those who look for life can plainly see the conduit of God's will. Meaning, (laughs) because guys, you just look at me like, what? What did you just say? (laughs) If because Joseph was so thoroughly godly in his approach, it was so God-oriented, and he was so thoroughly meticulous about fulfilling the responsibilities, there was no lack of confidence coming to him. This guy is godly. He's got it covered. We don't have to worry. He not only alleviated the physical famine, he would have alleviated a potential spiritual and emotional famine in the land as well. 
because he did such a phenomenal job of preparing for the people that they had no worries because he had done everything needed. I mean, think about that. We don't normally that gives me the goosebumps. We we don't normally think of it in in such big terms, but it was a big emotional thing. And before we go to the phone, just one quick side point. One of the things in the in the CQ Rewind, the full edition, in the bonus material. Yes is that the people of, of, of Egypt didn't have a lot to do for those seven years because they couldn't grow any crops. These people w- were glad servants of Pharaoh, and they did a lot of building and constructing in those seven years because they were taken care of. So that it wasn't slaves that no, built the pyramids? No, 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 no. They, they were in a, uh, and we're not talking about those specific pyramids, but the, a lot of the building of Egypt at that time was done because they were cared for by Joseph. Wow. By God. And wow. you think, wow, how, how could all of this have happened? Let's, let's go to the phones. Looks like we have Julius. Good morning, Julius. Welcome to Christian Questions. Hi, Good Julius. morning. And, uh, uh, welcome to Kathy. Thank you. Good job, Kathy. I appreciated Jonathan's call in comparing uh, the Lord Jesus to, or uh, Joseph to the Lord Jesus. I think it's so meaningful and true. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, in recent weeks, you know the old debate on which comes first, Love or justice? Mm-hmm. Remember that all my life, years of years of Bible study, it's always been an interesting question. And uh, I, at the moment, I I would say none of the above. <laughs> I would say wisdom is first, because wisdom directs which to go first: love or justice or power. How to apply the three? Anyway, that's a thought. Uh, uh, many of, uh, more often than not, heroes uh, are accompanied by adversity. Yes. And such was the case with Joseph. So, uh, uh, God, Joseph was a God-fearing man, and going back to the, uh, believing that wisdom is primary in the whole scenario, I'll just read you one scripture, if I may. Okay. Okay, and that's Psalms 111.10. Psalms 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who practice it. His praise endures forever. Thank you and God bless. Thanks, Thank Julius. you. We appreciate okay, bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. And, and, you know, he did refer back to, to Jonathan's call in the, in the first hour. And, and Jonathan brought up some important points. We won't have time this segment, but I want to get to him next segment. Okay, Because it's important. Real quick, John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69, because we're seeing how Joseph was such a picture of Jesus. And this, this, this scripture it really helps us to see that more. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And that gives us a sense that there was no place else to go. Jesus had the words of eternal life. For Egypt, there was no place else to go. Joseph had the food that would feed them. And all of the world needed that as well. Now, in Genesis 42, we're not going to read the first couple of verses. Jacob and his Joseph's family are, are hit by the famine. The need presents opportunity. Let's jump down to verse 6, Kath, and get started. Um, Genesis 42, 6. Now Joseph was the ruler over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Now the first point here very quickly is they were bowing down to him. Sounds like a dream that Joseph had many years ago. 
Wow. I wonder if that came flooding into his mind. Probably did. Let's continue because we're almost out of time for this segment. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. Then they said to him, No, my lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Your servants are twelve brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no longer alive. So they are completely honest with him. They tell him even more than he asked for, which is important. It kind of shows something has happened over the several years. And let's finish up that scripture. By this you will be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you that he may get your brother. While you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison for three days. So Joseph is going to test them. And he's in a position to test them to see if, in fact, they are as genuine as they are appearing to be. He has the authority to put it to the test. This is Christian Questions. I'm Kathy sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Today we're discussing who was that hero in the multicolored coat, part two. Coming up, as our story continues, Joseph takes a hostage. How is that heroic? Stay tuned for the answer. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Kathy sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject today is, Who Was That Hero in the Multicolored Coat? Part 2. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget, if you want to email us, you can do that at Rick, R-I-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. And don't forget to join us, follow us on Twitter. Kathy, our tweet master, is co-hosting today. (laughs) So that's an important part of this whole thing. All right, so Joseph's brothers come to town. He recognizes them. They don't recognize him. Of course, he's expecting they're going to be showing up because of the famine. Right. They're expecting that he's dead, so they have no thought of him. And so he puts them to the test. Two things before we we, we get to that. Jonathan, in his his call-in... uh, in the first segment, in the first hour, mentioned something important. He talked about the promise given to Abraham, right. and think about it. The promise was given to Abraham, and in thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It was passed down to Isaac, so it went from Abraham to Isaac. Then Isaac was re-given the promise. It was passed down to Jacob. So it was one person to one person to one person. Jacob has twelve sons. He would have told them the promise, but because there's twelve, there's no personal responsibility to the promise. Joseph is the one who rises up and takes the promise seriously. And here he is about to fulfill that promise in a very small way, blessing all the families of the earth. So it's interesting how you have the watering down, and now you've got all of these brothers involved. Uh, before we go back to the uh, soundbite from the movie, uh, uh, Kathy, let's go to the phones. We have uh, Beth from Tennessee. Good morning, Beth. Welcome to Christian Questions. Hey, good morning. How good are you? Good morning. I finally hey. get to meet you, sort of, kind of. Yeah, I want your job, Kathy. That would be so much fun. It is so fun. Yeah. Um, just a, a couple of quick points. 
from the history person here. It just really is so, so fascinating, the history of the Old Testament. I just want to make a couple of quick points. Um, God communicated with Pharaoh because he was in charge of the ancient Israelites, and they they lived in his land. And it, it just amazes me the plan God had for his nation. Um, the names Ephraim and Manasseh rang a bell with me, so I went back, and, and they are the tribes, they are in the tribes of Israel. Um, Joseph had two sons, and both sons um, became tribes of Israel, which is very significant because the other sons only got one one nation. So these guys, the 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 word Ephraim actually means double fruitfulness. And so um, God was planning for his nation even then. And it's also interesting, Joshua, uh, Moses' general who went into the Promised Land, was a descendant of the na- of Ephraim. So I just kind of wanted to put in those kind of quick little real fascinating points about the history of the Old Testament and how it all works out to God bringing his people out and making them holy and making them one. So that was all. You guys have a great day. Love, love, love the show. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Boy, Beth, you know, you can just feel the enthusiasm just pouring out of her. <laughs> you know, one of the things that she said reminded me uh, it's one of the, the things in your bonus material from the YouTube video that you talked about. And this is a little of a spoiler alert, but maybe it's just kind of like a preview because there's so many cool things. This is just one of the cool things that when she talked about the Hebrew people, they weren't in Egypt. Egypt in the land of plenty, those seven years, they were taxed one-fifth. But Jacob and his family, because they weren't in Egypt, they were free from that tax. So they were able to prosper themselves for those seven years. And, and there was, there was a, a, a tremendous uh, blessing that came as a result of all that. Beth, thanks so much. We appreciate your uh, calling in and your participation and your historical perspective there. Really helpful. Uh, Kathy, let's go back to the movie Joseph. Uh, now, the ten brothers remembered uh, Joseph throws them in prison for three days. Now, this is obvious. We have no dialogue from them in Scripture in prison. Uh, so uh, some of the things that they actually speak in prison in, in, in the movie were, weren't actually spoken while they're in prison, but you sort of take the will for the deed. And this gives you just a dramatic effect of how they must have felt about themselves at this point. This is revealing. Listen to this. Stop it! Stop it! Arguing won't get us out of here. Then what will? Not what, but who? God. Is this his final punishment for what we did? Now we know how Joseph must have felt when we threw him down the well. Not twice. We have each other. You left him alone. We. We We put him in the well. All of us. There's no point dwelling on that. For 20 years you've harped on the same thing. But what's done is done. And one thing has nothing to do with another. Are you sure, brother? It just gives you a sense of the tension. And what comes up in, in that scene from the movie is the guilt. Yes. The guilt that they carried for all of these years. And a lot of those words were actually spoken in front of Joseph. Because Joseph was Egyptian, they thought. They right. didn't think he understood what they were saying. So, and it, he used an interpreter, too. Right. So mm-hmm. he didn't let on that right. he understood what they were saying. Genesis right. 42, 23 to 25 bears this out. They did not know, however, that Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. 
he turned away from them and wept. But but when he returned to them and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. So he understood. It moved him emotionally. He regained his composure. And then he takes one of the brothers, Simeon, binds him up. Then Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to restore every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. And thus it was done for them. So Joseph does fulfill their request for grain. And, you know, you know he's going to do that. But he's, he's making them pay a little bit. He's making them understand. He's looking to see if they are really deeply sincere. Now, why would he have chosen Simeon? There's some interesting commentary from, from Matthew Henry on this, Kathy. Let's, let's read through that quickly. The imprisonment of Simeon. He chose him for the hostage probably because he remembered him to have been his most bitter enemy or because he observed him now to be the least humbled and concerned. He bound him before their eyes to affect them all. So he did it in front of them so he would see what their reaction was. Joseph is wise. He's not getting back at them. He's testing to see if they have any kind of integrity after all of this time. Because remember, the test of integrity for Joseph had been 20, 20, 25 years. He had to be, had to have integrity in all the things that he did. And he's looking at his brothers and saying, okay, did they grow up during those 20 or 25 years like I had to grow up? Is this um, something, how can we apply this lesson today to our Christian walk, our Christian lives? Can, when people come before us, do we have the right to test their integrity? Well, don't forget, jo- Joseph, I think, is a picture of Jesus. So Jesus has the right to test our integrity. Oh, okay. See, that's the way I see it. Oh, okay, in, there's in the lesson. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're not supposed to put other people to the test, but we are supposed to allow Jesus to put us to the test as his family, if you will, to see if we have grown up through our own experiences. So we should be looking for our own tests of integrity. Absolutely. I think that this is a mirror thing. This that is, makes a this lot is of sense. This is one of those mirror experiences. So they're instructed to bring Benjamin back to Egypt. That's what Joseph has said to them. Bring Benjamin back to Egypt, and then I'll release Simeon. Now, this would be a real dilemma, because Benjamin is attached to their father Jacob at the hip. And he's the only one left of Rachel. Right. So you have a very difficult circumstance for these guys. What happens? Genesis 32, 35 to 38. Now it came about as they were emptying their sacks that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were dismayed. Their father Jacob said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And you would take Benjamin? All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, You may put my two sons to death if I do not. Um, bring him back to you, put him in my care, and I will return him to you. But Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. So Jacob is just saying, No, I'm not letting Benjamin go. He's saying, like, no way. Right. <laughs> He's not just saying, no, right. He's saying, can't happen. I've already lost Joseph. And like you said, he's the last son of Rachel. I will not, will not, will not let him part from my side. 
And it shows that, I don't, it sounds to me like maybe he doesn't trust those other ten sons very much. Well, you know, there, there's something to be said for that. that Because they, they had fallen into so many difficult places in their walk in terms of being his sons. And they were bearing the guilt of, of what they had done, which the father had no, no knowledge of. And so what happens is, over time, they use up the grain. And over time, Jacob begins to realize that we're going to die. We're all going to die unless I allow Benjamin to go with them. So he finally agrees to that because there's no other, there's no other, there's no other alternative. Right. So that's where you have Benjamin finally goes. And, and, and you know, and, and Kathy, we were talking about, and this has been a long one, point number seven was Joseph preparing to save the world and his family. And this was a hero's lesson in using power with integrity. See, great power brings great responsibility. And for most individuals, when they're given great power and great responsibility, they fall greatly on their face. <laughs> right. Joseph didn't do that. The hero's choice is what here? Right under um, uh, six. Ah, be overcome with revenge for wrongs done or test to see if integrity has grown in the place of jealousy in the hearts of those who did the wrong. So Joseph has the choice. You, he, can, he can be overcome with revenge like, okay, look. I'm in power. I have ultimate power here. Here these guys have to grovel before my feet. I can get back at them any way I want. He could have gone down that road, but mm-hmm. he wouldn't go down that road. See, because that seventh lesson in living heroically is that integrity requires the use of power with godly responsibility. It's the use of power, not with just personal responsibility, but Joseph used the great power he was given with godly responsibility. Integrity requires passion, but a passion for godliness and mercy and not a passion for what you feel. I'm having an aha moment here because when you go back to the hero's choice that you just had me read and you apply it, I apply it to myself that the test of integrity to see if integrity has grown in, in my heart, in my being, in the place of the wrong that I did. Right. So it's a personal thing. Right. Yes. Right. Exactly. And so then to seek forgiveness from God for what I've done wrong and to test myself. And I just, I really appreciate that because all of these scriptures are, are written to us to learn from. They're not just nice stories to be inspired by, but, but inspired to change ourselves. And that's the point. Joseph lived that life of change. How did he do it? He did it one day at a time through all of the difficult experiences. And once he was given the great responsibility, he still did the same thing. He mm. didn't change because the circumstances changed. Right. The circumstances changed to match his abilities. That's what happened. He didn't all of a sudden grow into this power and leadership. He was given the power and leadership because God prepared him and he accepted God's preparation. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. Now, power and integrity of Jesus was tested and he in turn tested the integrity of his followers. So let's look at that. The power and integrity of Jesus was tested when he went up uh, right after he was baptized and he was tempted by Satan. Let's look at Luke 4 verses 5 through 8. Then the devil led him up and showed him an an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you will I give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. 
Now see, Satan says, and this is important, Satan says, I'm going to give you the glory and authority of the world because it has been, it has been given to me. Because this is Satan's world. We know that. Satan says, it's been given to me and I can give it to whomever I please. So Satan had a measure of authority here. He wasn't lying about that. But he was lying about the allegiance. That's what he was lying about. He was saying, have allegiance to me rather than God. And Jesus' response was, no. You worship the Lord your God and only serve him. So Jesus' power and integrity was tested. And his allegiance was sure and it was clear. It was to God and God only. Jesus, in turn, had to test the integrity and of, of his followers. In Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 34. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So when Jesus told them something that was uncomfortable, they could rise up and rebel against it. But Jesus said, are you going to follow what you'd like it to be, or are you going to follow what I'm telling you it needs to be? That's the test of integrity that we have. Joseph tested the integrity of his brothers, just like Jesus tests the integrity of us, his followers. This is Christian Questions. I'm Kathy, sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Today we're discussing who was that hero in the multicolored coat, part two. Coming up, what is the final cho choice of Joseph? Hint, it secures his title of hero, but it is not for the faint of heart. Stay with us. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Kathy, sitting in for Jonathan, here with Rick. Our subject today is, who was that hero in the multicolored coat? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell us who. It's Joseph. <gasps> part two. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. So, Kathy, that seventh lesson uh, of, of Joseph, Joseph prepares to save the world and his family, a hero's lesson in using power with integrity. We've seen how he uses power with integrity. So now the eighth and final lesson that we're going to be touching on uh, this morning is Joseph teaches, forgives, and provides. And this is a hero's lesson in completing the mission. It's one thing to be put into a position where you have great power and great responsibility and to rise up to that. But then what happens is we oftentimes get tired and, okay, now you've, got, you've, you've done everything you're supposed to do, so the, the, the tendency is to relax. You think of King Solomon, for instance. King Solomon, man oh. of great, great, great wisdom. What ended up happening? Oh, I don't know, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Eh, wrong answer. Good example. So what do you think Joseph's temptations would have been in not completing the mission? I think that a, a big temptation would have been to, to really make his brothers pay for what they did to, to become Egyptian. To, because, look, Egypt loved him. He saved that nation, that great nation at that time. And he could have just basked in all of that glory. But he stayed godly instead. He followed through on the mission. That's what we want to get to this segment. And let's get started by going to the phones. 
Who do we have? We have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall. Welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have Genesis 44:34. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the suffering that would come up. Oops. Uh, we just lost Randall. Don't know what happened there. Sorry about that. Um, just got cut off. Uh, so the brothers go back to Egypt. Okay, and Randall, you can certainly call back. Uh, they they go back to Egypt bearing gifts because Jacob gives them gifts to give and double the money because right. they, and there's honesty and integrity here, and that's the beauty of it. Joseph receives them and continues to test them. They show honesty and humility when brought to Joseph's house, and Joseph again sets them up, and again a brother. This time Judah offers himself instead of Benjamin. And again, you're seeing the brothers now doing things that they weren't doing before, and now they are. They are protecting their family together. It seems like they're on the the fast track quick learning program right they are they are they did not go through the 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 kind of experiences joseph did of course that's why they're not in position to save the world and joseph is (laughs) okay Okay, so they're just really in preparation just to accept forgiveness and to be able to move on and live from there let's Mm. just uh begin this one scripture then we'll go back no you know what randall's back on the phone let's pick up randall's thought randall okay hi randall happy sunday again guys okay (laughs) we have genesis 44 34 for how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the suffering that would come upon my father. The same brothers who plotted to kill Joseph now plead with concern for their father's life. Joseph, who is now father to Pharaoh, demonstrates for the Christian how to take charge of a bad time. Romans 12:17. Do not repay anyone for evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. We all have situations and people in our lives, a relative, a business partner, the other car on the road, where we have been wronged. Joseph shows us that by avoiding bitterness and acting with God, things can be made right. Joseph was no pushover, but he allowed God to be God in his life. Isaiah 32, 8, but those who are noble plan noble things, and by noble things they stand. Randall, thanks so much. Appreciate it. God bless you guys. You too. Thanks, Randall. And, you know, there's a, there's an important lesson there about you know not returning evil for evil. It's such an important thing. And Joseph was the embodiment of that. And, and he lived at a time where returning evil for evil would have been just the thing to do. Right. And you know, Randall reminded me of something Beth said last week. I think she brought up that you have got to go to CQ Rewind and check out the archive programs. Because there's a great program on, does, is bitterness ruining your life? And here's some good gossip for you from your <laughs> other program on gossiping about your sister Joy and how she talked about bitterness and overcoming it and it being like a seesaw process of, you know, you have good days and bad days. And then she got to the place where she could be quite an amazing example in the court of law. So just check it out. It's really cool. So ChristianQuestions.com is where you can find it all. Kathy, we need to wrap up this story. Joseph is the forgiver and preserver of life here. He now has his brothers before him. They're eating a meal with him, which was unheard of in Egyptian history. Egyptian people never ate with foreigners, ever. But Joseph ate with his brothers. They still didn't know who he was. Genesis 45, 1-15. 
Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, talk about drama. Yeah, Let's go to a clip from the movie where, where he is now beginning to reveal himself. And this was the movie done in 1995 called Joseph. He's revealing himself to his brothers. I am Joseph. Joseph. It is my brother Joseph. Yes, it is I. But be at peace. Come closer. Don't be afraid. I will not harm you. Am I to take the place of God? And it just—it's hard—it's hard to even speak after something like that mm. because if you if you see the length of time and we look at the story of Joseph and all he went through and how his heart and his compassion wins over everything, and all he wants is their safety. Because he realizes, he knows that, A, first of all, they're his family, and secondly, they are the subject of the promise of God. Right. So he is not going to take any of that and minimize it. He maximizes that against everything that anybody would normally look at. He could easily have said, these are the ones that tried to kill me, forget about them. I'll just send them home. I won't even tell them who I am because, you know, I'm going to carry that bitterness like you were just talking about a moment ago. Let's, let's read verses, Genesis 45, verses 5 through 8. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over the land of Egypt. So what you have is a very clear statement of Joseph understanding the real reason for him being there. It was to preserve his family. God sent me before you to preserve you for remnant on earth. And he had such compassion for their suffering that he almost made it sound like you guys did me a favor. <laughs> you know, and you know, I this these scriptures give me such strength in my my Christian walk. When I when somebody is unkind to me and I tell myself that those words are not from them, but they're a blessing from God to change my Christian character. And Joseph had that that mentality with them. And they were they were shocked. They were they were blown away by the fact that first their little brother was like the <laughs> most powerful man in all the world and that he was forgiving them. 
yeah. unequivocally forgiving them. Let's go back to another quick clip uh, from the movie uh, during this reunion. It is not for me to punish you. You made evil against me, yes. But God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. See, this is finishing, this is completing the mission. That's what this heroic view of Joseph's life of heroism was all about. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. I see it. I understand it. I'm willing to accept it and put whatever emotion I might have had to the contrary aside because that is no longer relevant. The mission is what's relevant. He never lost his focus. Let's continue with verse 9. Hurry and go uh, Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin See that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck neck, and wept while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. So Joseph broke through and literally melted away all of the guilt, all of the anxiety, all of the wrongdoing by simply saying, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good, I'm here to preserve your life, I'm going to move the family here, there's a place for you to live where you can prosper. They began to see the magnificence of God reflected through Joseph. And what a, what a great example for us. That's what a hero is. Mm. That's what a hero does. Rises above and, and puts things in perspective. So the hero's choice, Kathy, let's do our last hero's choice is what? Be tentative in applying that which you have accomplished to others. Okay, you could be Whoa, tentative. what does that mean? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So to be tentative, so in other words, you he's accomplished all of these great things. He could have just sort of like, uh, like taking these little baby steps to try to uh, sort of explain a little bit here and a little bit there. He didn't. He went out and he did the or. What is it? Or what? Pour out the gifts you have secured with unbridled goodness and mercy. And that's the point. It was Joseph poured out the gifts that he was given with unbridled goodness, with unbridled mercy, with unbridled compassion, and he forgave. And that's the eighth lesson in living heroically. Having stayed the course through all manner of trial and uncertainty, he, Joseph was able to freely bestow upon others that freedom and privilege that his efforts had brought for him. That is what a hero does. That's the story. That's the life of Joseph. And one last reference to Jesus, John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through
through him. So as Joseph saved the world then, so Jesus saves the world now. And the point is, when you draw the comparison between the two, is that Joseph drew in his family, drew in the world to him because he was able to prepare through the, the mercy and grace and wisdom of God so that all could be saved. That's what Jesus does. And of course, that's the life of a true hero. Kathy, thanks so much for sitting in for Jonathan this morning. Thank you for having me. It's been great having you here. And folks, what a great and inspiring story of a hero who lived his heroic integrity to God throughout his whole life, no matter what the outside circumstances were, and that's the key. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It matters what the hero is inside and how it reflects in your everyday life. For Kathy and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you enjoyed being with us today. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, the hero in the multicolored coat. Grow up. Be like him. Till next week. Think about it. <laughs>